0: Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince & Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince & Convert Consulting.
1: Thanks for joining us on Connex, the content experience show. I say us because I'm used to having Anna with me, but I'm analyst today. Uh, Anna's away with a sore throat and hopefully on the mend, but we make up with it with our really powerful guests this week. And I always like to make sure that if people are going to tune in, they know what's coming. So let me tell you a little bit about my time with Jeff Pedowitz when he was in chatting about content experiences. Now, with Jeff, we chatted not just about content experiences, but what he'd like to call the customer experience. And I found it really interesting in terms of how his take of the way marketing operations is starting to work in different organizations. And, and you look at the traditional sense of thinking as, as he talked about it around customer service versus being customer focused and i think a lot of us in our organizations as i thought more about it you know we we talk so much about customer service or some of us have really cute names for it these days like customer success i say cute not to make anything less of it because we call it that here as well and i and i do think there's a difference but there's a even bigger difference between responding to customers, as Jeff talked about, versus planning for customers and interacting with customers. And I think what you'll take away from this week's podcast with Jeff is is to think about how is your organization embracing the customer? Um, Jeff talks all about how different organizations like Amazon and Netflix go about really interacting with us so that we can deliver these omni channel experiences. And that's really what all of us are expecting today. We want to go anywhere we go and get that same coordinated approach from the brand. And that's a big undertaking for us as marketers to adapt to because we need to almost start to quarterback what's happening inside of our organization. So I really think you're going to enjoy this time with Jeff. It's an intense 25 minute chat. We're going to dig right in and I'll open up right now. Welcome in, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this week on Connex. Maybe you can, for, I mean, you and I know each other because we're always at events, although you know, we talked before recording this as to how you kind of sat them out this year. But you know, we've spent lots of time chatting about content and strategy and the buyer map. But maybe for everyone else, let people know what Pedowitz Group is and how you've gotten into this space over the years.
2: Sure, Randy. And uh, thank you for having me on the program. So, uh, great to help out. The Pedowitz Group is a revenue marketing company. So we specialize in helping our customers increase their marketing performance through marketing operations. And there are three areas that we focus on, business accountability, digital transformation, and the customer experience. And with all three of those areas, uh, we're working with people, process, technology to operationalize them and help our, our customers scale. So... Hey, I feel like in some ways I'm a bit of an old dog now. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. So Pedowitz Group is uh, soon going into its 12th year of business. And then before that, uh, I was a VP of Professional Services at Eloqua, employee number 32 over there, uh, and helped develop a lot of early best practices. And then probably been using marketing automation and demand gen since 2002, 2003. So uh, when I was at Eloqua, just really got inspired with all the great work customers were doing and, and the early partners. And I figured, hey, why not go out and hang up a shingle? <laughs> so I've uh, been doing it ever since. That's great. I, and you hit on a lot
1: of, of topics there that I'd love to dig in over the next 30 minutes together. Um, but before we get to customer experience because i I think that's a really interesting topic but before we get there i'd love to get your definition of marketing operations and who's involved in marketing operations because i think you know for a lot of people listening in on this podcast some of them are content marketers some of them are digital marketers we often have demand gen marketers who listen in on this you know the question is 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 marketing ops a department in an organization or is it a, an individual or is it a kind of coming together of various people?
2: Well, it's, it's a really great question. Actually, it, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, because with, depending on the, the size of the company, marketing operations uh, can be done really by an individual or by a couple people if it's if it's a smaller. But then as you get into bigger organizations, it is definitely an established uh, department. So, I mean, if you think about... Uh, in Sales ops is a traditional function. Marketing ops is its counterpart. And as marketing works more and more and runs more and more like a business, it becomes incredibly important for it to have that as department. So sometimes marketing operations can include demand generation. Sometimes marketing ops reports into demand gen. But more often than not, it is a separate and distinct function. And it can cover... Areas of technology management, vendor management, process, um, documentation, project management, um, analytics and insights, just to name a few of the more common areas. Um, and then just depends on the company, depending upon how broad they may or may not want to go into it.
1: Gotcha. And, and maybe... You could let us know, I mean, and we have people who listen to this podcast who are groups of, you know, 10 person marketing team. And then we have people who listen our hundred plus marketing team. When do you kind of see it go from, from that, you know, individual to a team I and mean, what size of marketing team does that
2: usually start to translate? It really goes, I guess, to the size and scope of, of the marketing team and what they're doing, um, how much global demand and responsibility they have, um, I don't know that there's a, a tried and true. You know, if you have uh, X number of uh, marketing people, you need X number of people in marketing ops. It's, uh, think of it more as a capability. And it really goes to the uh, each customer's ability to set it up. So, um, but, you know, if you think about the, the, the discrete areas, there's probably four major areas of responsibility in marketing ops. You have technology, data, and analytics. Let's kind of put them into one area. You have process engineering and optimization as a second. Project management and training as a third. And then you have change management and customer insights as a fourth. So depending upon how big your stack is, how big the global responsibility is, how much technology is controlled by IT versus sales versus marketing, uh, that, that could influence that how many people are in that department. But uh, usually, once it becomes a dedicated function, there are going to be several people at least in marketing ops And we've seen teams as big as uh, 50 or more, just depending upon what you're doing.
1: That's interesting. So Jeff, like the fourth bucket that you gave there, I, I think it was change management. Is that right? Yes. So maybe that's a good segue. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but getting us to this idea of the buyer journey. And, and I think you also threw in there this idea of you know understanding the customer. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about who in the marketing org these days is tasked with understanding the customer the most when, when you interact with these groups. Because I think this is something as, as we talk about customer experience, it's it's really the first step in my mind. It's who are the customers that we need to care about at every stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a big difference between customer service and customer focus. And, and a lot of companies, they want to take care of their customer and please them, but there is a difference. And, and if you truly are trying to operationalize the customer experience, you have to be customer focused. So customer service means... You set up departments like call centers, chat bots. Uh, you have SLAs, right? You want to respond and resolve customer issues in a timely manner um, to a given set of performance standards, and so the customer is happy with your response. But that is not the same thing as customer focus, which is taking your products, your teams, your activities, your metrics, and completely revolving them and focusing them on the customer. And and so, how does this relate to content? Well most companies their content is still heavily product oriented feature function versus user buyer oriented what they need the emotional arcs what they need to experience uh, content is still very heavily focused on the acquisition side of the coin um, in every almost every business i mean we're trying to not only get customers but keep and grow them so whether you're in a subscription business or a SaaS model where You know, it's a hockey stick effect over time, right? More and more revenue comes from that. Or you have maintenance contracts or you sell widgets. You're you're still trying to grow your customers. But a disproportionate amount of marketing and sales activity is spent on funnel and acquisition and very, very little spent on onboarding, on value realization, on loyalty, on adoption. Um, what kind of content and programs and campaigns are being developed to service your customer and generate lifetime value? So, you know, we believe that everyone in the company shares responsibility for the for the customer journey. I mean, of course, the customer themselves owns their journey, but everybody in the company is on the hook for gathering those insights. But marketing is the tip of the sword. So, a great role for the marketing ops function is to drive that change management across the company to be more customer oriented and develop those insights. So you're working to get alignment with sales and other stakeholders. Um, You're trying to drive different types of measurement and accountability. You're driving innovation. You're driving collaboration, um, communication. And really there has to be a governance aspect to it because if it's not driven from the top down and people are not held accountable, it won't get done. And, and it's really just figuring out what your customer focus strategy is and how you scale it and so it's really not a matter of necessarily how much content you produce but are you producing the right type of content um, you know sometimes businesses can produce one great asset one great content piece and be very effective or maybe they need a hundred or maybe they need a thousand but it's not you're not trying to, trying to generate content for contents sake you're really trying to do it with purpose I, I love that that distinction I mean uh, it's funny
1: how many companies are probably still thinking about the term customer service or maybe they've adopted customer success as a term but they're they're still very much thinking about how do we respond to customers and and i think the biggest shift that i saw in that answer of what you're describing is that customer focus is is really an entire organization and i think that's that's a that's a big shift for some organizations who are maybe still at the point of thinking of their marketing teams as demand generation Right. It's how do I generate demand for my org versus how do I support that entire customer journey? And it's something really interesting. I'd, I'd love to dig some more into that. We're going to do that right after the break here on Connex with Jeff Pedowitz, where we're going to dig into understanding how to think strategically about the content you need for this strategy. On today's podcast, we talk all about the buyer journey and a company called icuc.social is a company you want to take a look at if you're focused on the buyer journey. Now, their philosophy is all focused around social media with how to understand your ROI and revenue generation through social media strategy. They partner really closely with their clients to understand their challenges and provide really effective solutions. I really encourage people to check it out. And to do so, what you can actually get is a free seven-day access to monitor up to 50 of your business locations to help you see how your business locations are performing regarding online search, local reputation, competitor benchmarking and more. All you got to do is visit icuc.social/audit we're back here with Jeff Pedowitz talking all about marketing operations and a customer focused approach to the entire buyer journey. And Jeff, I, I really enjoyed that last answer you gave before the break. This distinction between customer service and customer focus, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about you know content. Uh, a little bit deeper from the strategic approach because you know a lot of what you talked about came from marketing operations groups but quite often we don't see the content team reporting into that marketing ops group. so how does that relationship often work best in the companies you've seen?
2: yeah it's, it's really and you're right and it, it very seldom does I don't think I actually have seen content report into marketing ops but uh, you know marketing ops is really trying to manage the whole process though. It could be supporting multiple agencies. It could be supporting product marketing groups or different stakeholders around the business because they are centralizing and managing the production and execution of the campaigns. So there needs to be a consistency to the creative brief process, a governance around reports and analytics, um, consistency to um, brand and value realization across the assets. So that's really an important role that, that marketing ops plays. So... It, from a strategic standpoint, it, it's really taking a step back and looking at the different channels and the different people that you're trying to reach and figure out how to deliver consistently across that brand, brand promise. Because uh, a lot of people also interchange the terms multi-channel and omnichannel. And there's a difference there. Because multi-channel, which most businesses do to some degree, you know, you, you're emailing, you have a website, uh, maybe you have a mobile app, you go to a trade show, uh, you buy some advertising on Google. Those are all channels, right? So you're executing. But it's very seldom coordinated so that um, in each of those channels, different people are running those groups and there's different content, there's different assets, different experiences. So from a customer point of view, they're getting an inconsistent experience. Omni-channel ensures that it doesn't matter what channel it is, whether I'm on my mobile device, I'm on my laptop, I'm in the store, uh, I'm online, I'm on television, that the, the content, the brand experience... Uh, with that company is the same.
1: So I love that. Maybe for those who are less familiar, uh, and I know I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, Jeff, but whether it's one of the clients you've worked with or a brand you really admire out there, who do you think is doing a great job at at delivering that omni-channel experience?
2: Yeah, well, there's actually a few. I mean, certainly I think uh, Starbucks, Disney, um, are two great examples on a consumer point of view, direct-to-consumer, where... You know, if anyone I'm sure almost everyone's had a Disney experience, but you go to the, the website, uh, and you're going to start researching properties or, or vacations and it sends you to a trip planning website Then you download the app on your phone and, and you can make reservations. And then when you get to the park, they give you the magic band and you can use that for um, scanning and rides and making reservations and um, and then because they know where you're at and what you're doing. Um, they can offer very specific promotional messages and content. So that's an example of really using all the channels as well as creating a channel because those magic bands are are the own channel that, that Disney created. Starbucks with their loyalty program so, hey, you've got the app on your phone. So as soon as you're within the vicinity of Starbucks, you start getting you know, the thing flashing on your phone. You're near a store. You go in. Um, you realize you're low on your, um, you don't have enough points on your loyalty program or you want to put more money into your account. You can do it right there in store or you can do it online. You can do it at home. So those are two good examples. On the banking side, Bank of America has really come a long way. Over the last couple of years, uh, if you think about it, smartphones are only 10, 11 years old. And for the first couple of years, nobody was, in the, at least in the U.S. anyway, was banking online. Uh, it was unheard of because people didn't trust it. Now, a significant amount of people are. So you can you, know, you could drive by your bank. It's a ghost town. They shut down the drive through lanes. You know, it's like two tellers in there because because people aren't going to physical locations anymore. So, But beyond that, from a content standpoint, well, that means I can, I can go online and do my banking, and then I can, I can launch the mobile app, and I'm gonna get a very similar experience, I can do similar things, I can get similar messaging. Um, and that's really where it's important, that you know, a content asset has to be repurposed across multiple channels. So even something as, as long as a white paper. How do I make the white paper more interactive? Because most people aren't gonna wanna read a white paper on a, on a smartphone. So how do you break it up into smaller pieces? Um, And and so it's really more about understanding the purpose of the content, the strategy behind it, the channel that you're trying to deploy it in, the audience that you're trying to reach, and the best way of um, repurposing that content so it's effective.
1: That's really interesting. I, I, I love the Disney example. It's, it's funny. I was just on vacation and I tried to convince my wife to go to Disney, but she's, she's I don't want to call her a Disney-hater because then people are going to think she's this terrible person, but she can't buy in. I love the Disney experience. So we we kind of settled in the middle and we went to beaches, which also delivers an amazing omni-channel experience as, as you described there. But a lot of the things that you talked about with Disney or that I experienced you know, on my vacation recently, they're very product minded. So what we kind of skipped over back on the first segment of the podcast here was how does the product team and the content team need to interface to make sure that the, you know, the ebook that you speak of or the blog post that we may write to complement really reflect that actual product that's being offered at the
2: end. I think what they have to do is literally take a page out of Amazon's book. Every Amazon meeting, there literally is a blank chair. Uh, that chair represents the customer. And Jeff Bezos and and the team will literally talk to the chair. Because the point is it's really easy for us, especially as marketers, right? We're all creative types and we can get in a room, we can come up with all kinds of great stuff. (laughs) You know, but but how do we know that the customer really likes it and 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 will validate it? So the best way I think for product marketing and content people to collaborate marketing ops is to get the voice of the customer. Really understand and make sure that's present in everything they're doing and ask that customer, hey. You know, when you're on your website, how do you interact with our content? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, because all of us know, it doesn't matter what the product or service is. Every one of us wants an Amazon or Netflix experience. That's what we've come to expect in demand. So um, we have to raise our game no matter what we sell. And so the best way to do that, and you know, when, when I talk to a lot of clients, people survey their customers, but it's more of the quarterly or annual net promoter. Like, are you happy? Would you recommend us? But they're not really talking to the customers. They're not really finding out, hey, um, who did you talk to before you came here? What do you like about our products? What do you not like? Um, are we delivering on our brand promise? What content do you, that we produce do you read and why? If you don't, why? What channels do you use? You know, Are there other sites that you go to or competitors that you go to that you would prefer to read it? What's the best way to reach you? How do we do that? Um, and, and so one of the best things about GDPR Uh, And I mean, it's going to, especially in EMEA anyway, but as it's going to work its way back here to U.S. companies that do business over there, is it's going to finally force marketers to really respect people's preferences and not just respect them, but serve them. I mean, understand what the customer really wants and give it to them. I mean, at the end of the day, of course, the customer understands we want to sell our stuff. That's a given. But people want a relationship. And they want to know that you respect them. They want something that's real.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I love those examples. And I always go back to the Netflix example. Funny, I, I often tell the story when we, when we onboard people here at Uberflip to our own team is we talk about the mistakes that Blockbuster made, right? You know, con- contrasting to Netflix or Amazon, where, and I don't know if you know this story, but this was before they were, um, you know, Netflix was streaming, they were sending DVDs in the mail right? And what they, they did is they did a focus group and the focus group came back where they asked the wrong questions to your, you know, the opposite of your point, I guess, Jeff, which is, they said, what do you like about going to Blockbuster? And do you want us to change to the male DVD? And people said what they liked was seeing their neighbors, but what they ignored was all the things that they didn't like, right? Like, you know, putting your boots on in the winter, right? You know, getting there and not finding what you want. So I I like the way you, you you listed off some really deep, meaningful questions there that we need to ask people before it's too late, you know, before they've completely tuned us out. And I'm wondering how do you, you know, maybe the last question before we start to wrap up here is, you know, how do you work with companies, um, you know, to push them to think about those questions effectively that we need to
2: ask customers? Um, a lot of times when we, um, before we go on site, we ask our customer to invite some of their customers in to the meeting. Um, it's a great way of forcing the conversation, and we really make the meeting very much about their customer. And then we we will we'll facilitate the dialogue, and we're there. This is not a uh, you know the, uh, the the trials where you're watching people through the window. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is really just talk to the customer and get their honest opinion. And, and we ask our clients, hey, invite in some customers that you have great relationships that will be supportive, but also you know invite in a customer that you've had a hard time with. Uh, because we want to get the full full perspective. And that's, that's one of the best ways to do it. And, and, and I would say probably 90% of the time or more, it's the first time they've ever done something like that. Absolutely. No, I think that's great. I
1: mean, our, our, our VP of success here very much you know, subscribes to that. And you know, obviously, we want to learn from customers at all time, And we want to drive value from our customers. But even when we, when we do fail or, or a customer does churn, we view that as an opportunity to learn right and, and really dig in there and understand you know what could we have done differently where where would the value have have lived? Um, and sometimes you learn more from those than, than you would from any other uh, interaction with a customer. Jeff, this has been great. you know we've, we've got a couple more minutes if you can stand by. We'll just ask you a couple of questions get to know you outside of the marketing operations world. Uh, we'll be right back here on Connex with Jeff Pedowitz. All right, Jeff, we've got a couple more minutes here, and we always like to get to know our content experience pros. And I had a couple of questions for you. You kind of opened the can of worms by talking about the Netflix experiences and the Amazon experiences during our interview. So, first thing is what are you know your top three things that you love to search on Amazon for? Like when if you're buying on Amazon, you know, where will you go and buy there that you would not have previously?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, it's kind of funny because I think there's probably a package arriving almost every day now. So
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's,
2: it's, it's wild, huh? I'm
1: like, what did I order?
2: I'm like, you know, you see that box and you're like, did I order something this week or am I getting a present? Well, it's funny. I mean, it's not just Amazon, it's uh, uh, DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats or any of those things. It's just, you know, more and more and more, it's, uh, it's uh, between the kids because we have three kids and the business and travel. Um, it just seems that there's less and less time. So I, you know, it feels like I'm spending more and more time online doing the things that I would have previously done. Um, just so just to make my life easier. And even if I have to pay a little bit more, most of the time, I don't care as long as the service promise is fulfilled. Um, but I mean, it, it could be anything. It could be uh clothes. Uh, it could be electronics. It could be gifts. Um, those are probably some of the main things. And then on, on, Netflix, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to just sit down and watch TV with the schedule. So, you know, I love uh, binge watching. So uh, my wife and I actually just binge watched uh, Gotham okay. uh, over the last, it took us, about, took us about three weeks to get through <laughs> all the seasons, but we watched it from beginning to end. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's great to, to be able to do that um, and, and just find the time. And services like that, you know, can, can make life better. And at the same time, we also love to travel, and when we travel, we turn everything off.
1: Oh, right.
2: because because you know, we're, I I don't want to see an email, I don't want a phone message. I, I I purposely try and find places where there's no Wi-Fi because um, I learned. I mean, it's now going into my twelfth year having the business. First couple of years, I wouldn't even take a vacation, and then when we went, um, my wife and I, because she's a partner in the business too, we were both working, um, and so it took us three or four days just to unwind. Uh, and so, you know, we would only go away for a week and then basically by, you know, you you relax for a day and it's time to come home. So, uh, you know, you gotta have balance. And that, I think the downside about the world we live in now is there's just too many channels, too many things on all the time. It's exhausting and overwhelming. So when we unplug, we really like to unplug.
1: I like that. I like that. It's funny. My wife recently disconnected from a whole bunch of her social media, right? Like it was her... You know cleanse and she's no longer on like Instagram and she's no longer but every once in a while I catch her sneaking a peek on mine right it's like she she can't fully disconnect and then on the flip side, I find like I'm less impressed uh, I'm less obsessed with uh impressing others. I wanted my wife just to like my photos, so I'm like posting less now that I don't have my audience, even though it's an audience of one so it's it's tricky that you know to find that balance to your point in this in this world of of devices in this world of you know Netflix and Amazon and everything around us at all times and uh you know vacations are great for that so good on you for for finding that balance in your life um, you know, Jeff, this, is, this has been great. I mean, I think balance is actually a really good good word to leave us on from this podcast because I think a lot of us have to take a look at where our marketing efforts are focused. Are they too focused on lead gen or do we truly understand that customer focus, that customer experience at every stage? And you know, really thank you, Jeff. Maybe I'll, I'll give you the chances to throw one call to action of where people should go to learn more about Petowitz Group.
2: Oh, sure. So it's real easy, petowitzgroup.com. And uh, we've got a lot of great um, resources and I'll give you a plug back. Uh, we've, we've been using your platform to, to organize all of our content and uh, we really enjoyed it. That's amazing. Love that. Jeff,
1: thanks so much for everyone who's tuned in to the content experience show. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this, come to our omni-channel experience in Toronto, end of August, the Connex show live Two days of great keynote speakers, August 20th, 22nd. In the meantime, continue to check out all of our other podcasts, whether you'd get to them at, at Google Play, at iTunes, at Stitcher, at Spotify. We are pretty much everywhere on these channels, ready for you to engage. And we thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you.
0: This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince & Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.